TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill. And I am still George Bryant. Hey, George. (laughs) Welcome. We've got you, George. Uh, It's been a couple of weeks, I think, since we had you on, and we've actually got you at home this week, which is amazing. I know. I'm I'm surprised on all fronts. I am surprised (laughs) on all fronts. Well, it's going to be a good one to come on for, mate, because we've got Francine Bell, who is the Managing Director of Additive Free Kids. She's a food coach, a mentor, and one of Australia's leading activists on additives in foods, which is a topic that I know you and I are both passionate about with young children. She's also a mum to five boys. Um, she told me just before off air, she went for the fourth and had twins, which is amazing. Um, and so she has personal experience working through the damaging effect of additives to resolve multiple health issues and behavioral problems in her own children. Obviously, having done that, she's become very passionate about sharing this with anyone and everyone and believes that everyone deserves informed choice about whether to consume food additives or not, which I think we can all agree with. So without me stealing the whole spotlight and the story, welcome to the show, Francine. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such a great story. Uh, well, it's not a great story, but it's such a common story, but a really important story, I think, to share. So tell us about your journey, Francine. When did you realize that these attitudes were causing problems for your kids? Um, and what sort of stuff were you seeing? So my journey really started with um, my eldest child um, and probably around the age of two. So I I kind of have found, you know, that seems to be the the time where most families start to hit some roadblocks. And, you know, it was actually quite a, you know, a normal incident. You know, we were out and about and I decided to throw some processed food snacks into my bag in case someone got um, hungry or we were, you know, um, taking longer than expected. What I didn't expect was that my two-year-old would actually eat that whole entire box and that just started the whole snowball effect and I just realised that that night when we got home, he was a completely different child. Now, I know what kids are like subsequently and I know what tantrums are like and I know what normal two-year-old behaviour is like, but my first one was such an even-keeled kid. He was very placid. There was no temper tantrums at all. So this was really, really out of character for him. And I could see his eyes had glazed over and I wasn't able to um, communicate with him and he was almost headbanging material. And I was just like, I just don't understand what's happened. And I recalled um, my sister-in-law actually telling me in, in the past about how, you know, food could be linked with mood. So I went back and grabbed the box and I had a look and turned it around. I was just like, oh, my goodness, look how long this ingredient list is. And I don't know what any of this is. So from there, that started the journey in terms of investigating what the foods were. Um, he also had been diagnosed with asthma and, you know, we had been given the um, relievers and the preventers and all that stuff and asthma had kind of run in the family. I was I was also suffering from asthma but I wasn't diagnosed as a true asthmatic. I was, more, you know, the doctors were a bit baffled. I was classified as a seasonal asthmatic. So once we um, went through and started looking at all the food and understanding, you know, what were in the ingredients and started changing over everything, we realised that 
his asthma disappeared. He never needed to have an asthma reliever or preventer or anything like that. So did mine. Um, there were lots of little health issues that I had, you know, not things that you would think are major, but um, things like hives and, and obviously my asthma and things like that, that, you know, I was dealing with my whole life and going to doctors and using steroid creams and all that type of stuff. And the doctor was like, you won't find the cure to this. You, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. But not one time did anyone say to me, why don't you go and have a look at what you're eating? So, you know, we went through on a journey, pulling out, I'd analysed, I researched. Um, I, given my past experience um, in a corporate world, I was very analytical and very research-based and focused. And I was able to work out patterns in terms of what was happening with his behaviours and his moods. So we pulled out everything from his diet, but then I'd gone back to work and he was going to daycare a couple of times a week and I was noticing the same types of behaviours coming through on similar days that he was going to daycare. So I worked out, obviously, the food that was being provided at daycare was very different to what I was having at home. There were additives in the food there. So over time, you know, and I've watched the progression in terms of what manufacturers are doing in terms of additives. And, you know, when we first started 10 years ago, it was quite, it was easier to avoid the additives. They were pretty much numbers and there was a few um, natural sounding names, but it's not, a, it wasn't as hard as it, as it is now. So from there, um, you know, we're able to work out all the manufacturer's labeling tricks and all of that stuff and was able to keep it out of their diet. But it is quite difficult to avoid, you know, 100% on the time. And as more kids came along, each one, you know, if they were exposed, had completely different reactions. So, you know, my eldest might have become, you know, might have had the asthma and the rashes and the temper tantrums. But some of the other ones might have pre um, presented with really aggressive um, behaviours. Another one, I still contend, one of the twins, that he is super, super sensitive and if he had additives on a daily basis, I'm pretty sure he would have an ADHD diagnosis. So became so passionate about this, I felt that it was a massive injustice um, and that parents didn't have the information to, to be able to provide their kids, you know, the best food, that they were consuming all these additives unknowingly. Um, so I really felt, you know, the, the strong urge and desire to share this information that I'd learned on my journey. So parents could have the choice whether they wanted to feed their children these additives or not. So that's pretty much our journey. That's, that's it? Holy moly. I, I think I learned something in that, though, and I said it before we got on. I think the reason people in Australia are so much nicer than America is because you guys have less <laughs> additives in your food. Well, I it, don't it, know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it's less. I think we're catching up to the U.S. big time. Um, you know, I, I actually liken Australia with U.S. a lot, but I think it's probably to do with a relaxed lifestyle here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little, it's a little unwound. So I love this. I absolutely love this because I have celiac disease myself, and my son is only two, and he has an autoimmune condition because they. Mm. Uh, it's a whole other podcast, but they vaccinated him against our wishes. And so mm. he developed an autoimmune condition. But this is such a prevalent topic. And 
I, I think it's insane how many ways they sneak things into foods just to make them look a certain way or appear a certain way. And so what I would love, um, you know, because I have a 13 year old daughter as well, and we're constantly <laughs> educating her on like what to look for and how to choose her food. And like, what are your best tips? Because there's just so much from colors to preservatives to 18 different types of acids that are in foods. Like, how do you kind of navigate that landscape? And for people that don't really think about this or understand, like, what's the best way for them to dive in, like, and go ahead to get started to, to kind of set themselves up for success? So my the, the top tips that I normally say are you want to obviously try and stay away from highly processed foods. Um, if you are going to buy convenient options from the supermarket shelves, you want to have a look and flick it over and have a look at the ingredients. And if you don't recognize one of those ingredients as being something that you would actually cook with yourself or that your mother would have cooked with, um, you need to avoid it. So, you know, people, there, there is such a push in terms of manufacturing labels to make ingredients sound natural or liken it to natural things. But at the end of the day, so for an example, a rosemary extract, if you don't have a rosemary extract in your cupboard, then I suggest you put the product back. So we want to go back to basics and we want to use what our grandparents used to use. So, you know, keeping it really simple and natural and trying to buy products that are as close to its original source as possible. So, you know, and tips in terms of when you're talking with kids, you know, you want to try and get them to avoid the heavily flavoured and heavily coloured items. That's that's pretty obvious for them to to try and pick out for themselves. Um, but it's a constant it's a constant education process with the kids. You know, they are going to have exposures and they are going to. Um, I think it's really important to ha- to highlight to the kids that they need to understand the impact that food is having on them throughout their whole journey so then they can have success, you know, as an adult. But, you know, buying seasonally, buying locally um, and buying as less processed options as you can is definitely the best way to start. Yeah, and I guess the challenge for this Francine for parents often is that it's not terribly convenient, you know, and it's not terribly time effective, you know, that, that if you're having to stop, especially if you're sort of starting from scratch, you know, if you are on a traditional Australian diet or not traditional, but a modern Australian diet or a modern American diet and you've got, you know, your shop that you do every week to actually sit down and try and go through every single one of those products and analysing, you know, it's a massive deal. And and so I guess as parents, yes. you know, you, you do just want to, you still, you know, want to spend time with your kids and you want to do all those other things as well. So, you know, is there a way to shortcut that? Because, you know, you mentioned like rosemary extract, right? So, Parents are going to look at that and they're going to think, well, I turned it over, it said rosemary extract. Rosemary sounds fine. So that's probably a separate question. What's wrong with rosemary extract? Because I have heard Cindy O'Meara talk about this recently and I was blown away as well. So I'd, I'd love you to share that with our listeners. But also, you know, is there a shortcut here that, that we can, you know, simple things we can look for or, or is it a matter of, you know, staggering? How do we make it easy for ourselves? Well, I've been trying to um, educate my community in terms of how to make it easy and the reality is we do have so many time demands and pressures on us um, especially in this day and age so I've kind of got to the point where you know like an average supper trying to turn you know the ingredients over and they've got two little you know toddlers by their by their 
ankles is it just doesn't happen it's too time consuming so that's why i've actually recently partnered with a supermarket to actually go through the process on behalf of people and actually give them um, a readily identifiable logo that they can look out for and they know that it's actually been through a screening process um, by additive free kids they know what we're we're like in terms of they trust our um, research and our analysis and questioning manufacturers so we've just done that as a pilot um, case here in WA and we're looking to roll that out further because it is difficult and manufacturers are constantly changing their ingredients all the time so even if we say this product is good at the moment um, the reality is it's likely to change in the near future so having having that relationship with a supermarket together with the community there's lots of people keeping an eye out um, for when products change packaging changes and it's the easiest way that we can get um, help across to everybody um, in terms of making that decision and it was actually very interesting to see in the very first couple of weeks of having it up and and um, on the shelves that when people actually are presented with the information and there's a comparison, you know, they're comparable in price, additive-free options will be chosen every time they were running off the shelves. So that's the quickest and easiest way that I've been able to um, – impart that knowledge and that trust for consumers to be able to make those choices independently without most of the time my community has um, said to me we just don't have time can you just please tell us what to buy and where to buy it so (laughs) that's what we're looking at there I think I think that's what everybody wants tell tell me what to buy and when to buy it and what color it's just too hard and pay for it for me too, please. <laughs> Ideally. Uh, yeah, right? So I think what's really interesting about this, and, and it's kind of amazing, um, I feel like you know a lot of the ways in which we eat, we have so much outside pressure, right? We've, we're constantly having to stay on the cutting edge of like, what did they add this time? What's hidden? How are they sneaking it? How do they have mm-hmm. sugar seven times on the same ingredient label, just okay. with different words to ha- mask what's in there? And, you know, for me, it's like, you know, we teach our kids and our family as well. It's like, you know, we do the best that we can in the moment with what we have. And sometimes yeah. when we're traveling, when we're in an airport, uh, you know, and my kids are starving. And if you have a starving 21 month old and product <laughs> only has to wait five hours before you get home, you can add a meal like just fast. you you might have felt just end your life. It's impossible. And so I think what's really important here for me and a lot of my audience and people for me is like, how do we recover, right? Because you were talking about, you can so totally tell when you have an additive, the reactions in ourselves and mm-hmm. our kids from the inflammation to the mood swings to the glucose dysregulation, it's depending on what the food is. How do you go about recovering when when something like that happens? Like, how do you get kind of back on track or get your kids back on track since you're a saint and have five children? <laughs> I don't know about a saint, but um, so we kind of go through a bit of a detox process. Obviously, um, you know, there's no further, um, uh, what's the word? exposures so you know we we make sure that for the next few days that we're getting clean again but i we we do um detox baths so like an epsom salt bath where it draws out the toxins faster so normally for us if we have an exposure depending what type of exposure they've had it could last up to three days and if we do a detox bath 
um, we can normally cut that down by half, so maybe a day and a half. So having those exposures is a constant reinforcement to stay on the additive-free path. It, you know, it's quite painful having kids going through all of those different symptoms every time there's an exposure. So, but it's it's a very good learning opportunity for the kids also. And I completely, you know, agree. Um, there are lots of times when you're out and about and you need those quick options. Um, and at this point in time, it's actually really hard to discern, you know, if they are good options or not. So, um, there's a bit of wait and see until the additives clear the body and the system. Um, but the only way that I found at this point in time is to expediate it with a detox bath. I am experimenting with another option at the moment, but I can't say that it's necessarily, um, I haven't tested with all the kids yet. So, um, that's, that's cool. And that, that, that detox bath having such a dramatic effect. I mean, that's, uh, that's a really cool change and it's a great tip for parents to be able to know because I know that, yeah, as George said, you know, it does happen, you know, and sometimes, um, oh, we aren't, sure. you know, we, we just make the best choice with what we've got. Sometimes the kids aren't with us, you know, or sometimes there's a, you know, a birthday party or my kids on the weekend, a dad's in kids <laughs> camp, which, uh, you know, the dads, I think, I think every dad just had like two packets of lollies in their back pocket. Like it was incredible. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, sometimes it happens. So it's great to have those tools to be able to know what to do about it. Um, I'd love to come back to what you were saying about the manufacturers, you know, avoiding, essentially avoiding us being able to gain the knowledge of what's in the food, right? Because, um, you know, Mm -hmm. there really are so many ways that the marketers now will try and hide ingredients and try and hide additives and even, as George said, try and hide sugars. So, uh, you know, there are so many different ways that they try and do this. It makes it really hard to keep on top of. But do you have a couple of sort of key ones that as parents we can look out for? that we just look at the back of the packet and see stuff and go, you know what, that one's definitely not okay? So obviously you've got all the numbers, which uh, I think manufacturers have now become aware that consumers are becoming more savvy. So I think, you know, when people see numbers, I think that's pretty obvious for them to to avoid. Um, If they're seeing anything that says a a flavour enhancer or um, an MSG or a yeast extract, anything with um, hydrolyzed vegetable proteins, they all have, (coughs) excuse me, they all have the same impact as MSG on the body. Um, I also recommend avoiding any extracts or flavours. They're all nasties and they're quite easy to see um, on the backs of products. So, and obviously, you know, your colours um, are normally, they, they might be listed as a number, but they can also be listed by name. So there's a, you know, with those, those options there, you're, you're covering off quite a lot of the additives um, on, on the back of the ingredients labels. Got it. Got it. So I have a question now because I'm, I'm like, I feel like Brett takes like the doctor approach and I'm over here like just real life right now. And I'm like, okay, I just want to win. I just want to set myself up to win. And I love learning about other cultures, especially Australia, since I'm coming there in May. So I want to know. Yeah, I didn't tell you yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm coming. At least me. I'm trying to get the wifey to come, but at least he's coming. That's exciting. yeah, so, so Francine, when it when it comes to a lot of this stuff, another thing, like I, I appreciate the detox bath with recovery. We actually use castor oil packs as well, um, ah, just for 
for anybody wondering to help detox the liver. And we actually use them on our children as well. They don't like how it feels that much, but um, we've actually put my son in a casserole pack and had him sleep and do some of that stuff as well to help with like the inflammation because he's had hives and um, his eczema breaks out really bad when it comes to additives. And so that's part of his autoimmune condition. So casserole packs uh, were a big other one for us and essential oils kind of help us navigate that inflammation. Um, For me, for me, you know, I'm in that stage. I know there's a lot of people and you have a lot of kids as well, right? Where, you know, we went from, you know, milk and formula to now like solids. And we're in that, like that, I'll call it purgatory where Mm. kind of on that bridge where it's like, you know, he gets his milk to go to sleep at night, but now he's in super picky stages because he's learning about it. And he just wants some of those convenient things like chips or crackers or things like that. How do you navigate that space? Because I mean, in an ideal world and yeah, I could have the discipline to be like, my son only eats fruits, vegetables, and meats, but honestly, my sanity would not survive, especially on road trips and in airplanes. How do you kind of go about choosing what you get for your kids and what snacks you have and like what foods you do and navigate that? Is there anything in particular you look for to try to minimize exposure or there's certain additives that you like, you're like, I never like non-compromisable and other ones that are kind of a little more acceptable? Yep. So um, in terms of snacks and options, you know, I need to have these up my sleeve as well. You know, working mum, five kids, you know, life's pretty crazy. I think, so I think you're a saint, by the way. <laughs> Not a saint. Anyway, um, so, you know, I often will have some options in terms of plain crackers that, you know, I could give them um, with a dip, you know, like, Dips are actually quite hard to buy itself, but I find, you know, I can smash an avocado with lemon juice and the kids are happy to have. um, So you can buy, you know, plain crackers. We look for, um, you can buy pre-popped popcorn, you know, that just has salt or even the, um, oh, I don't know if that's that's technically not paleo, is it? Um, I'd eat it all day. I'm not not (laughs) in this, like, paleo dogmacy camp. I'm in the happiness camp. I kind of I kind of oscillate between the two. I find with the kids because um, we are you know avoiding the additives, it's harder. I would love them to be paleo, um, but I've got to kind of find the right balance for everybody. Um, so I'm looking for you know options that um, you know you can find on the supermarket shelves that are um, not highly flavoured. You know you can find. Um, or just grabbing fruit on the go, those types of things. There are a lot of actual options coming out nowadays um, from great manufacturers that um, are like your nut bars or your fruit bars. And when you're having a look at the ingredients, they literally only just have your fruit and nuts. So there's actually a lot of there is actually a lot more options on the supermarket shelves than there were ten years ago. So I find it a lot easier to be able to grab those things on the run um what was your other question sorry i have forgotten <laughs> no no oh, it's okay. which ones are a no-go um so yeah, for us yeah. we won't touch anything with msg flavors yeast extract that just is a definitely no-go for us um and colors are also in that regard um if i'm going to if I'm going to, you know, weigh up, you know, what's better or worse, I'd probably give, um, I'd probably give the extracts, 
you know, if I if I was pushed, I'd say, okay, I might I might let them have something with an extract. Um, but obviously, it depends on the situation, depends who you're with, what you're celebrating, where you are. So you know, we we make the best decisions that we can for where we're at. So and we deal with you know the the exposure afterwards in terms of detoxing. So I see it every time that there's an exposure, it's an opportunity for the kids to learn about how the food is impacting them. So then they can make appropriate decisions when they're older. Totally. I think I, I, Brett and I did like an entire episode on that, on the whole thing of like allowing your kids to live so they have their experiences. So they're empowered to choose rather than restricting and making it bad and wrong and setting the foundation for eating disorders or emotional eating down the road. So I think that's amazing. When you say extract, what, what do you mean by extract? Are you talking like vanilla extract or like, what are you talking about with extract? Yeah. Yep. So pretty much when I'm looking for vanilla, I will only um, buy anything that has vanilla powder or um, it's most of the most of the vanillas that you find will be a vanillin or a vanilla extract. And they've been through a highly, highly processed. Um, they are a very, very highly processed product. And the impact on the body is not what you would actually expect it to be. It's not just vanilla anymore. So like if you have a look at vanillin, the impact on the body is the same as MSG. So those types of things I generally try and avoid um, as much as I can. But if I am going to, you know, allow something, you know, it, it won't be as um, as big an impact if they had, you know, a full dose of MSG. So it's, it's a smaller amount. but okay. uh, Yeah, because, like, we've made vanilla at home. Like, we actually yeah. buy really nice vanilla beans and then we put them in an amber bottle and we yep. you know drop them in the alcohol and like that's absolutely amazing and that keeps that's it right. simple as possible yeah and so <laughs> you know what's what's interesting you talked about like companies and like the nut and fruit bars you know mm-hmm. having the only ingredients are nuts and fruits and like i have a couple friends like one of my friends owns a bone broth company and they mm-hmm. came up with a proprietary process to pack them with no preservatives and no additives and tetra pack and have three-year shelf stability with no high heat pasteurization so like there's there's definitely trends moving in that direction and i was just actually i gave a keynote a couple weeks ago to the ceos of all like the fortune 100 food companies like nestle and general mills and like nestle just released a three ingredient chocolate chip like last week chocolate cocoa butter and pure cane sugar really Yep. Yep. And so they're definitely starting to notice like enjoy life has been in the game for 17 years now, but the bigger players are starting to come in and we're at a point where there's so much momentum from all of us advocating for our health that we've kind of affected critical mass and they realize that they can't sneak their way around it, but they have to actually evolve to be in the space. And so I definitely on this side of the world see a lot of things changing and a lot of things moving momentum a lot faster compared to like 10 years ago when we got into this Uh, space. So yeah, definitely. I can, it it is definitely fast paced at the moment, which is great. Yeah. And if you want to laugh a little bit, by the way, at that same conference, they gave out innovation awards in the food industry and they gave an innovation award, and I won't name companies, an innovation award to a shelf-stable guacamole. 
because they brought authentic Mexico to the shelves of the United States. And then I looked up the ingredients and looked at my friends at the table and I said, I remember last time when I was in Puerto Vallarta, when they were making my guacamole table side, they asked me if I wanted yellow five and yellow six and absorbing oh. acid added to my guacamole. <laughs> and was, that's about as authentic as it gets, guys. And we just kind of shook our heads and laughed and left the room and we're like, okay, there's still a lot more work to be done here. But um, it, was a, it was a good laugh because I, I almost got in trouble. <laughs> That's hilarious. We have had a we have had a guac hit our supermarket shelves that is literally 100% avocado. Um, there's something okay. that they're, they're doing something very innovative in terms of the packaging. I haven't I haven't been able to research it yet, but it has hit the supermarket shelves. Well, you know, like you said, we have still got a long way to go, but it is all just about taking baby steps, you know. And and even for for all of us, you know, I've, I've actually. Talking about the vanilla essence today has made me decide to make a change. Like vanilla essence has been one of those things we use it in our hot chocolates, we use it in our pancakes, mm-hmm. you know. And I've always used mm-hmm. it, and I've always probably for the last year or two, I've looked at it and thought that's probably one thing that's got to change at some stage. <laughs> you know, you know, you have your sort of list, yep. and like you sort of work through them one by one and gradually start changing everything. And so it's just a good example, I think, that for all of us, there's still stuff we want to change, and we're still always trying to move and improve. So vanilla essence is going to be mine. But the, the question I want to ask Francine is for those parents who are um, you know, starting to look more at these additives and maybe they have started, as we said before, making better options in terms of looking at those package ingredients and, and trying to pick the ones with less additives, but they want to start moving towards maybe more whole foods, which I think we would all say is you know, the ideal uh, is, is to you know, get those whole food ingredients and, and make a little bit more stuff at home. What tips have you yeah. got about them about where to start? I mean, obviously, going from an entirely you know, supermarket purchase grocery shop to yeah, only purchasing whole foods and making everything from scratch at home is way too big a transition for anyone to try and make at one point in time. So where That's are some right. good spots for them to start in terms of incorporating some more whole foods into their family's diet? So I think they actually need to start looking at what is used um, most frequently in in the day or by the kids. You know, what what are they buying all the time? So, you know, if it's looking at um, you know a particular yogurt or a or a particular item for breakfast or whatever it is, it's looking at those particular items and going, okay, how can I make that change? Um, if they're doing snacks for lunch boxes, you know, it might be, can I actually make something at home to put into their lunchbox for this week? You know, and I can actually make, you know, make it in bulk and I can either freeze it or I can use it for the, for the week instead of putting a, a processed packaged snack in there. Um, I think the lunchbox space is actually a really, really good option to, to get started because um, that's where we find that, um, you know, the most amount of packaged items come into the kids, you know, kids at home, you know, mums are doing a pretty good job already in terms of making great dinners. It's normally the lunch boxes that they're struggling with. So making a couple of changes um, to to what's happening in the lunchbox. So baking something from scratch or making something, whatever, whatever their preference is, um, is a great way to go. And I think I think people find that, you know, it it's more time consuming but it's and people think it's more expensive. I've actually found with my five kids that if I actually make 
whatever goes into their lunchboxes is actually much cheaper for me than going buying individual serves or, you know, multi-packs of anything. Um, It is much more time efficient if I can make it in bulk and much cheaper as well. So it is about taking small steps and gradually, you know, changing things over. Kids don't like having wholesale change. Yeah, and I guess the advantage we've got now is we've got so many great resources out there. You know, we've got, uh, you know, Pete Evans doing cookbooks for kids' lunchboxes. We've got, you know, endless recipes online you can look up and research. And, you know, I know for some parents you're having to do nut-free at kids' schools kind of throws a whole spanner in the works. But yeah. nowadays you can just Google, you know, nut-free kids' lunchbox ideas, you know, and, and a whole bunch of stuff comes up. So, you know, it, it is getting, I think, easier for parents to be able to do that at home now as well, isn't it? It is, definitely. There's so many resources, so many resources available. What I have personally found also is that there is so much emphasis on the lunchbox. I don't know if it's just because my kids and their boys, but I actually find that the boys don't want lots in their lunchbox. They actually just, you know, we feed them up um, a big healthy breakfast and we feed them up when they get home they really just want to play when they're at school so you know I think I I think there are a lot of parents that put a lot of emphasis on you know I've got to have this and I've got to have that in the lunchbox but I I think if you have a look at the whole entire day and make sure that the kids are getting everything that they need across that day there doesn't need to be so much pressure about the actual lunchbox itself there's a lot of anxiety that happens with school lunchboxes absolutely couldn't agree more I think getting the breakfast right is massive so Francine, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a wealth of information for all the parents out there, all the people with kids in their families out there, and no doubt they're going to want to find out more about it. So obviously they can go find you, your website, additivefreekids.com.au. They can find you on Facebook at Additive Free Kids and also on Instagram at Additive underscore free underscore kids. So thank you so much for coming on board and sharing with us today, Francine. Thanks so much for having me. It was wonderful. It was a blast. Thank you. Thanks. Until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join a newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.